Welcome back to Out of the Bubble. My name is Rachel Peru, and you are now joining the fourth series of Out of the Bubble podcast. I can't believe in the last two years I've interviewed over 40 women, and I now have another jam packed lineup full of inspiring women, all with a story to tell. So sit back, grab a coffee, and enjoy. So, morning, Rebecca. Thank you so much for joining me. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. It seems like ages ago since we first met, but it was probably only last year. Um, yeah shoot and it was just you know your story and meeting you really blew me away and I've loved watching you um, on social media and seeing everything you've been up to it's been amazing how have you found lockdown are you kind of raring to go now and getting ready to get out of it has it driven you mad yeah so it's a strange one actually I did I did really well at at the start and I kind of thought oh my life isn't that different to (laughs) lockdown um But I think where I am starting to struggle a little bit is I do a lot of public speaking. So not being able to do that is starting to take its toll on me a little bit. And obviously that's where I did a lot with my brand and with my networking. So I think that's the only side of things that I'm kind of starting to struggle with. But um, in terms of everything else, I found it quite all right. Just trying well, to stay positive. Yeah, it's, it's, I, I found it a real roller coaster. I've had weeks when I've been absolutely fine and then I've had other weeks where yeah. I'm just so frustrated yeah. and I just want to get on with life. Yeah, I think everybody's the same. If somebody doesn't know you, how do you describe and introduce yourself to people? Oh, gosh, that's a question. <laughs> um, so, hello, my name is Rebecca. Um, I am 32 years old. Um, I'm a mother of a beautiful child, uh, a son, Theo, who is 11, soon to be 12, which is quite scary. Yeah. Uh, I have my own ethical clothing brand. Um, so I would describe myself as a business owner, I suppose. <laughs> Yes, definitely. I'm also a young ambassador for the Prince's Trust as well, and I do a lot of work with domestic violence charities. So I mean, I have put a trigger warning at the front of this um, podcast mm-hmm. because I think it's important that, that some women might be listening to this that, that it might trigger something in them. But yeah, thank you so much for for being for being on here and wanting to share your story. And I know it is something that you've really built on with Princess Trust where you do a lot of events and public speaking. But yeah. how, how did you get to, because we'll talk about Always Be You, it's a fantastic brand. Um, I really love what you stand for, but I suppose we have to go back to the beginning of what's led yeah. you to where you are now. So, I mean, to cut a very long story short, I met my ex-partner when I was fairly young, I was 19. I was studying performing arts at college. You know, I was very confident, outgoing. I had a lot of good friends and a promising career ahead of me. But um, as I describe myself as confident, my confidence has actually always come from knowing that I'm a good person. I didn't have a lot of confidence when it came to my physical appearance. Mm. So when I did meet somebody who was willing to call me their girlfriend, I kind of felt very lucky. Um, unfortunately, my ex was abusive very early on into the relationship. And not long into that relationship, I discovered I was pregnant. Mm. So skipping forward in time, five years later, I had a beautiful son, but I had suffered all forms of domestic violence throughout the relationship. And it was getting worse and more frequent and 
after a really bad weekend in which I had suffered a lot of physical and emotional abuse, I decided that I wanted a better life for my son, that I wanted us to be free from this. So I made the decision to end the relationship. Mm. A couple of weeks after ending the relationship, my ex told me he was going to kill me. He came into my home the next night and assaulted me to the point of needing reconstructive surgery. Uh, even as I lay in a hospital bed surrounded by my family and the police, I still didn't even know what domestic violence was. I'd never even heard of it. Mm. A diagnosis of PTSD and ongoing court proceedings meant I wasn't able to work. But the more I learned about domestic violence, the more I wanted to do to help others and turn my negative into a positive so I started doing work with various charities using my own experiences to raise awareness. But during the relationship, I was also really badly financially abused, meaning I was left with nothing but debt and mm. no way of paying it back. Um, so I started using a debt charity to pay off the debt. But I had another 16 years of monthly payments before I would be completely debt-free and bearing in mind I'd already been paying for seven years Gosh. so I, I came to a point in my life where I just thought I, you know I need to do something to change this I need to make a better life for my son and I thought how can I be completely in control of our lives so nobody can ever control us again and that is what led me to having an idea of starting the business and looking for business courses I mean, I, I honestly, I don't know what to say. It's, it's, you've been through so much and to see where you are now is just wonderful to see you blossoming and get your confidence back. At the beginning, when, it, when you were struggling and, and, and suffering from different forms of abuse, how long did it take you during those five years? Of, was there an initial point where you were just ignoring it or was it always in the back of your mind that did you yes. know it was wrong? Well, so... so I kind of, yeah, I knew something wasn't right. I knew I wasn't in a great relationship. But as I say, I was not educated about domestic violence. I, I, I genuinely never heard those words. And mm. um, talking many, many years ago now. So it was, it was talked about even less then than it is now. Yeah. We've come a long way. But I remember thinking something's not right, you know. But of course because of the tactics that perpetrators use the gaslighting the mm. wearing you down you know you you have moments where you do blame yourself and you think well it is my fault and you are just blindsided by all these different constant tactics and different forms of abuse so you just kind of end up you're existing you're not living you're existing mm. and it wasn't until the as i described you know the weekend where things got really physical and i caught a glimpse of myself in the mirror and he'd just been really physical with me and i was trying not to you know pass out from mm. what had just happened and i remember looking up in the mirror and i just caught myself and i just said to myself you have to want a better life for your son and you have to want a better life for yourself mm. 
and that was really the moment that I knew I had to get out of this things were getting very dangerous things were rapidly getting you know progressively mm. and I needed to get out for our safety how quickly did you was there a lot was there a really good support network around you once you had made that decision when you came out of hospital were you really well supported by by not just obviously family and friends but was there the resources out there to help you yes so i have had um, a very positive experience i've been very lucky i was i've been very well protected by the police and still am to this day mm. um, i have had a lot of support from all the right charities and all the right um, organizations um, and yeah i've been really well supported and i and i still do get offered support but when i you know came home from the hospital my family said you know you were just wailing you were wailing saying this isn't me this can't be me this isn't my life and I just remember thinking this is the worst thing that could ever happen to me my life is over you know I mean hindsight's a wonderful thing looking yeah. back now little did I know it had only just begun in a, yeah. in a very strange roundabout way but you know but luckily I did have the support right from the word go and there were ongoing issues of continued abuse and harassment, which meant I was in, out, in and out of court. Um, you know, I logged everything with the police. People ended up with criminal charges. And as I say, I was very well protected. So not only did I actually have the, uh, the actual abuse to get over the, the five years and the incident, I was then bombarded with continued abuse and harassment from his friends and family mm. um, which continued for many many years that's the thing people tend to think of, of something like domestic abuse and when an incident happens that it's dealt with and then that's it but like you say no. you've had to live with years of harassment yeah. and people yeah. don't talk yeah. about that do they people don't no. talk about no. it and I guess that's the thing I can completely understand why women find it so hard to ask for help and step out of this situation mm -hmm. because it's so difficult isn't it it's so scary a hundred percent no and and like you say people don't realize you know it's it's almost half the battle leaving it's a it's a huge step and i don't want to put anybody off from leaving but yeah but on the, on the other side people who need to understand about domestic violence need to understand what you have to go through as a victim after um and actually i felt like it was me that was really you know living a prison sentence yes. um when it should have been my ex you know really it is the victim that really needs that help and support and often has to deal with a lot afterwards and as you say it's the reason people are put off from speaking out and coming out but for me the more, I mean, I didn't expect it. I thought everybody would support me. I thought, you know, yeah. as I lay in, you know, my family's house in a bed, bed bound, that yeah. I would receive nothing but texts of support. How can we support you? How can we help? And it was actually the opposite from, from that side, of, from his side of the family and his, you know, friends. Um, you know, I was to blame. It was all my fault. Um, so shocking. But actually, the more that they bullied me, 
the more I just thought, I will not bring my son up in a world where people like you get away with this. Mm. And Theo, sorry, I get emotional. No, it's understandable. Yeah. He is my driving force. He, you know, I can talk about this situation. I can talk about anything, the abuse, everything without getting emotional. But when I think about my son, that's when I get emotional. But he is the reason I will keep fighting because I'm not bringing him up in a world and sitting back and not doing anything when I have the power, yeah. when I have the voice to do it. But what I think is important for people to understand is I am in a position to do that because I am very well protected by the police mm. and I have had a very positive experience with the police. Do you feel now, I mean, does your son know, how much does your son know about your situation? So, um, of course, he was very young when it initially yeah. happened, um, so we, we couldn't tell him, uh, and obviously I was in a very bad way and he had to see me, so we just kind of said, you know, mummy's fallen down mm. the stairs. There was always this, like, look in his eye um, that you just knew he didn't quite believe it. I mean, I managed to hide a lot of the physical abuse from him. Mm. Um, but I remember when I sort of got, you know, well enough to speak to him, and I remember sitting him down one night, and I said, you know, mummy needs to talk to you about daddy. And, and I, you know told him in a very child friendly way I just said you know daddy's done something which is um you know he's broken the rules a little bit and I explained to him you know you have rules and you have to abide by them otherwise you get you know you get into trouble yeah. um and I said but he's gone to a lovely place um where they're looking after him and they're going to make him all better again and when he's better you can see him and he'll know not to break the rules anymore mm. because you know me I didn't want him you know as much as whatever had gone on between me and uh, my ex I didn't want my child worrying I don't think bad-mouthing him at that moment would have had any yeah. positive effect whatsoever and he stopped and he looked at me and he said why has my daddy been mean to you and I'd not mentioned anything and I said oh no daddy's not been mean to me what makes you say that and he said, because my daddy always shouts at you. Mm. And I suppose, you know, you just don't realise. Children witness and, and hear and see a lot yeah. more than, you, than you've realised. Um, but as he's got older, and as I say, the more that these people have done to me, you know, I've had my car tyres slashed, battery acid on my car, threats. I've had to have cameras and panic alarms fitted in my home. The more that they keep coming to me and won't leave me alone, the more Theo sees because he's older. He's getting older of now. Yeah. Um, so it is harder, but he does have questions. And um, I always, I make a point of never bad-mouthing my ex to him, regardless of what he does. Um, I try not to do that. Um, but he does, as he's got older, he's cottoned on to things and he, he kind of knows a very child-friendly version of the truth um but he does ask me questions and i try and be as honest as i can without you know traumatizing him and telling him the harsh reality but what i really try and instill in him is to not be bitter and because of course he's gonna have these feelings of anger and resentment yeah. and what i say to him is that is okay to have always accept those feelings because I think as human beings when we try and fight these natural 
feelings, we actually do more damage than good. But what I think is a, a, a good thing to do is accept the emotion, acknowledge it, sit with it a little bit, but then work out a way that you can turn that into a positive. And that's what I really try and instill in him. This happened in our lives and it is something that will be with us forever it was a huge part of our past and mm. obviously i do a lot of work in the media so it's not going to go anywhere in a hurry and as i say i still have ongoing issues but what we can do is turn it into a positive which is really what i try and do in all aspects of my life i have um, so much respect for you rebecca you are such a good role model for your son it's, it's just honestly the courage that you have but also the insight into your whole journey through all this is, is really something quite special. How He's definitely my reward. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how did you take those first steps of, because obviously you, you realised you wanted to help others and you knew there was something in you that you, you could do something positive from all of this, mm -hmm. but then taking those first steps to go and ask for help and see what you could achieve and do. I'm guessing mm -hmm. your confidence was still quite low at that point. How did you get Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, as I say, you know, I, I had no money. I wasn't able to work. Um, and I remember being sat with Theo one night and just something inside me clicked. And as I say, I'd always done work with charities, but mm -hmm. I'd never felt it was enough. I always felt I could be doing more. And something inside me clicked and I just thought you know what if I had my own business nobody can ever control that apart from me you know if I don't work I don't get paid if I work I get paid yeah. I can completely be in control of that and so I that night I started looking online for the business courses and that's when I came across the Princess Trust and I, I applied there and then for the enterprise program, which in itself was terrifying. Mm. Um, and then I was contacted quite quickly with a start date for a course. And I was like, oh gosh, oh, <laughs> this is actually happening. Okay. Um, but as you know, and, and this instantly, you know, filled me with a lot of hope and excitement, but as yeah. the start date, the course approached I did start to doubt myself and uh, maths has never been my strong point so I told myself you know you can never run a business you don't even know your times tables you can't mm. do this you can't no and I kind of talked myself out of it and I made the decision not to go I thought I'm not going to do it I'll, I'll go into a room everybody will laugh at me it'll be a nightmare I'll make you know a fool of myself but the day before the course and, and the start date, I, I just said to myself, what have you got to lose? Go in for the first hour at least. And if you don't like it, you can leave. You know, mm. nobody's going to hold you against your will. But within minutes of the course, I knew I had made the right decision. Within minutes, I just sat down and I knew it was the right decision. And as the course progressed, my confidence started building and i started to regain self-belief yeah yeah and you've changed the narrative in your head haven't you yes you've changed, you yeah know, you, 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 you've yeah. gone from not believing in yourself to thinking yeah actually i can do this and yeah. try this princess yeah. just really seems to me it's almost been a bit of a lifeline for you hasn't it to make that change yeah yeah a hundred percent they've been absolutely amazing my experience with the princess trust from start 
to finish has been nothing but positive. Everybody who I've had the pleasure of working with within the Trust has been amazing. I was asked um, to be a young ambassador for the Prince's Trust, which again was another huge confidence boost. But again, I was filled with all these feelings and emotions of fear. How did you feel um, when you had to do that first event where you had to get up and stand and talk? Oh gosh, well, so when, when we started our training, I remember doing my, we, you know, we, we, we do some training within the Prince's Trust and um, it was great, but I had to stand up just in front of the um, group. There were just a handful of people and, and do a speech that I'd written and I was shaking and I was nervous. And I remember leaving thinking, I can't, I can't do this. I, I've agreed to do it and I, I can't do it. I'm too nervous. But then we had another day of training and it just completely turned around for me. I was given, it was so good. The training was amazing. I was given some really useful tips and, you know, advice and guidance. And I actually, you know, did really well. And yes, I was really nervous for my first ever um, event. It was, a, it was it, luckily, it was quite a small event. It was quite intimate. Um, and I was nervous, but it, it went really well. And again, the response and speaking to people and networking, it just mm. built my confidence. And from there, I just did so many events, you know, things I'd never even dream, you know, I could only dream of doing. And it was amazing. How proud are you of yourself now, looking back at what you've been through to where you are now? <laughs> so a tremendously proud. Um, I mean, I... I I won uh, Young Ambassador of the Year, um, which to me was a real highlight. That was only last year as well, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Really? It just gave me, you know, having spent so many years of feeling not quite good enough, uh, you know, it gave me this feeling of acceptance. You know, I was part of something and I was worthwhile. Um, so, and like you say, I finally was learning to be proud of myself of the things mm. I'd achieved um which for many years I, I don't even think I knew how to do that yeah and I think I mean I think you know you're you've got so much to offer young women because I think you know I've got teenage daughters my my eldest is 22 and my youngest is, is 18 and mm. I can see so many vulnerable girls at 18 19 that don't have the confidence and certainly not the body confidence and I can no. see how they can get into wrong relationships and it's about their self-esteem. So hearing yeah. somebody like you that's been through that, but like you said, no matter where they are now in life, look where they could be. And, mm -hmm. the, and you yeah. offer them hope and show a different way of, of life, which I think yeah. is so important. It's, you know, it has not been easy. And, and uh, you know, people see me now and, you know, when I meet with people and speak with people and they find out what I've been through, their first response is usually, oh, you would never have thought that you'd mm. been through any of that. But it has been a journey and it has been a process. Um, so when I do offer advice and help to people, I, I do want them to know that, believe me I have come from rock bottom mm. I have really been in very dark places and it's not easy so when I give advice I'm not expecting people to do it overnight or find yeah. it easy because I've not found it easy it's been a journey it's a process and it takes time yeah so let's talk about the brands because um, I love your t-shirts they're, they're so cool but 
how did she come up with the idea for actually making the business or what you wanted to do for it? So when I initially started the Enterprise programme, I actually had a completely different idea. I went in with a completely different business idea and it was actually halfway through the course. Uh, it, it, it did literally, it sounds quite cliche, but it did literally just come to me. I was driving along and I remember I pulled over and stopped and, and wrote the idea in my phone, in my notes. Um, and, and the name came to me and so the, the idea behind the name always be you you know for for a lot of my life i've been told and made to believe that who i was you know wasn't good enough mm. and that led to years of self-doubt and self-hatred um but finally you know i i feel like who i am is acceptable and who I am is okay and actually do you know what people do like me yeah. <laughs> who I am and all the parts of me that I used to like about myself that people had tried to suffocate and you know get rid of mm. actually are the, the parts of myself that I actually quite like and enjoy and I'm finally able to embrace those parts of myself now and the idea i want to spread that message to everybody else you know there are so many different you know things that i want to achieve with the brand but i really want people to you know for victims to have that feeling of reclaiming themselves and their bodies you know survivors as well and you know for not only that but people who are part of the brand to know that they are part of change and something mm. good and I think the message can spread, always be you. I think that can spread to many different areas, not yeah. just domestic violence. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, can you give an example of some of the slogans on your T-shirts? So one of them is be heard, be free. Um, break the silence, of course, always be you. My tagline is making it fashionable to support a cause. <laughs> I love it. So that's the idea behind behind it you know I really want I want to normalize talking about domestic yeah. abuse and you know fashion is ever growing it's ever changing it's very influential um, and I and I think you know you, you see somebody in the street with a t-shirt you know, oh I like that t-shirt where did you get it from oh always be you oh yes yeah. that oh, it's this brand that and already people are talking about the cause and you know, with my brand, I also go into colleges and do talks uh, about domestic violence, which have also been very successful. So it's really about educating people about the cause. But really, I do really want to make it fashionable to support yeah. a cause. No. And you also give um, a percentage of your um, brand money to a charity as well, don't you? So what's your chosen yes. charity? Yeah. So the charity that I donate to is IDAS, um, who are a Yorkshire-based charity supporting anyone affected by domestic violence and sexual violence. And they are actually the charity that helped myself and my son and everybody who I worked with within the charity was truly amazing and played a huge part in my emotional recovery. Mm. Um, and they also helped me practically a lot, you know, for many years in various different ways. So I really just want to be able to give back to them for, you know, all they did for myself and my son. Have you, have you come to a truly safe place now, do you feel? 
So we are a lot better off than we were. You know, when I look back, um, it's quite strange. It does feel like two separate lives almost. Mm. Um, but I think the important thing to understand uh, with domestic violence is, as you say, sometimes it can never truly be over. And unfortunately, I think that is where society often gets it wrong. And that's often how many people do end up losing their lives because people think, you know, oh, somebody reports it once they're separated, they're fine. But yeah. actually there is always a risk. And, you know, a lot of people, uh, a lot of women, unfortunately are killed by former partners. Mm. Um, so if I'm being completely honest, you know, I, uh, I do always feel, I feel a lot safer, but I am always aware that there are certain risks mm. that I just have to be aware of throughout my life. Um, yeah. And I would be lying if I was to say everything's completely fine and I'm completely safe mm. because unfortunately you, you can never say that in these kind of circumstances. I mean, what advice would you give to somebody that's listening to this that, that's in the situation that you've been in but just is too scared to make that first step? Because I can't imagine how difficult that first step must be. Oh, firstly, I just want them to know that they are not alone. Um, and secondly, I suppose a lot of people are fearful to reach out because they think that the second they reach out, police are going to storm the house. They're going to come in, take their children off them, you know, mm. but you can, it is possible to leave safely. So I would say if you are concerned that you may be experiencing domestic violence or you are concerned about somebody, you know, mm. reach out for help when you are in a safe place to do so always make sure you are alone and it is safe and you are not within earshot. Mm. What I can guarantee is it will always be confidential. And, you know, often perpetrators can make threats that, well, if you tell anybody, you'll have your children taken off you, this will happen. That's not the case. Mm. You can leave, a, you know, an abusive relationship safely. Um, and also, it is really important to know that you start to recover a lot quicker than you think you will. Um, because when you leave, you, that's the first step towards freedom and mm. you are naturally aware of that. Um, but, you know, do reach out for help there are people that will help you know i have people that you know i i am will always be you know you can reach out to me in the strictest confidence mm. a lot of people do reach out to me and i can put them in the right direction mm. but do reach out to help and just know that you're not alone and know that that times are changing very slowly but surely but times are changing you know and, and i think you know having life after abuse you know and i am living proof of that and you really you really are um and you know but i follow you on social media and i see all the great work that you're doing and the events that you go to and your speaking events and just getting that message out there and talking about it openly and one thing that really strikes me about your situation is not many people talk about the financial 
yeah. abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's so important because like you said, you know, you've had years then um, mm-hmm. to be able to, to have to rebuild your life because of this. Mm-hmm. And it's just not talked about enough, is it? No, definitely not. And it, and it really does, financial abuse really does stay with you. You know, I'm still dealing with, you know, the ramifications of the financial mm. abuse. Um, and um, when I, you know, when I came out with my situation, when I left um, and the incident happened with me, financial abuse wasn't even spoken about at all. And it's mm. only just recently that people are really starting to talk about it and really starting to raise awareness but it is a very damaging aspect Mm. of domestic violence and it is and it in it and it does trap you and you know and it is used to trap you and you know so for instance with myself my situation there have been times where I want to pick up and leave you know move Mm. somewhere else but of course I can't. Why? Because of my financial situation. So it, people often don't understand. And that is, you know, and yeah. a lot of victim blaming happens, you know, why don't they leave? Mm. Um, but, you know, if you are really badly financially, you know, you are made to believe that if you left then you would have nothing. Yeah. In actual fact, you're a lot better off because you're not being financially abused. Yeah. But it is very serious form of abuse and it does need speaking about and something that I would that is also really damaging and isn't talked about is child maintenance you know the Mm. child maintenance service provides a platform for these people to continue to abuse you you know you've still got that invisible chain linking you to your rights because if they choose not to pay you know and there seems to be this protective bubble around the service that, you know, solicitors can't get involved, family courts can't get involved, police can't get involved. So you can still be financially abused years after you've left. But who do you turn to? The government really need to rethink the way that the child maintenance service operates and stop providing this platform to Mm. continue this abuse. In the future, is that something you'd like to be more involved in, in trying to campaign for change yes, at policy yeah, level? I, and I am in contact with a lot of charities, and I do do a lot of work with charities. One of the charities I work for is Surviving Economic Abuse. Um, so I do help the, the, that charity with a lot of issues, and it is something that I think they're keen to tackle. And mm. You know, I've written articles about it in the past, and it, and it is something that, again is only just recently starting to be talked about but it, it, it something really needs to change yeah well i'd be definitely um one of the right people to do it rebecca and to push for change definitely let's talk about confidence because obviously you've you've achieved so much in the last few years and you have you as you said your confidence has grown but what about your body confidence has that changed? Because I know now I've seen your posts. I know how amazing you look. <laughs> You've discovered the gym. <laughs> um, but do you feel in a good place with your body confidence now? Yes. So for me, fitness is a big part of my life and it's definitely played a huge part in helping me heal. Um, but for me, you know, fitness is about so much more than the physical results. I'm really in love with the way it makes me feel, the way it challenges me, you know, how it pushes me outside of my yeah. comfort zone. Yeah, and we all have different relationships with our bodies and different goals that we want to 
achieve. You know, so for me, having struggled for most of my life to gain weight, I got into weightlifting to get bigger. And that's not me saying that there's a right or wrong way to look. I personally, you know, just didn't like myself when I was slimmer. Um, But for me, you know, the real change came when I changed the way I saw myself, when I learned to look at all the parts of myself that I once hated and embraced them. And I suppose, it's a little bit like confronting your fears because I know in the past I've covered myself up. I've avoided looking in the mirror at certain parts of myself. Um, But actually when I confronted myself and retrained my brain to like the parts of myself that I once hated and told myself that they were normal and natural, that's when I really found a new confidence that I'd never had before. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's, I talk to so many women that, that struggle with body confidence issues at all mm-hmm. sorts of different ages. And you're right, it is, it is confronting those mm-hmm. issues head on, which is a really difficult thing to do. But, Definitely. But, you know, the, the impact of doing that can really lead to a bit of a breakthrough and then it becomes liberating, doesn't it? Definitely, definitely. And, you know, anything you achieve fitness-wise from there on is a bonus, you know. Yeah. So, and again, it's that feeling of being proud of yourself, proud of your journey, proud of where you've come from. Um, you know, and I, and I, for many years, was told to cover up and, you know, and put down for certain parts of my body. And now mm. I'm like, here I am, look at me. So when I post pictures on Instagram, that's not me being showy that's not me being vain it's you know it's quite the opposite actually it's having been suppressed for so many years yeah I'm finally completely in control of my life and who I am and I'm allowed to post a picture and if it shows off my curves and my shapes then so be it and I'm allowed to do that and I enjoy it you know so uh, there are so many levels to body confidence um but yeah it really does start you know within within the mind I think What's the best piece of advice you've been given along the way? In terms of business or... Well, just something that sticks in your mind that really kind of made you think differently about your situation. I've met so many people. Um, I suppose, uh, obviously, I watch a a lot of, like, uh, inspirational speakers and Mm. people, you know, speaking. So I suppose watching those people and seeing them come from nothing and, and making the lives that they want to has been massive inspiration. Um, really knowing that anything is possible. It, it's just that, that belief that actually anything is possible because I think for years I've, I've sort of stayed in a lane. I've told myself I can only achieve this. This is all I can achieve. Mm. But it, it's just that you know belief that actually you can really achieve anything you put your mind to yeah um but that yeah well 100 percent. and how ambitious are you for the future with your brand well very (laughs) very very ambitious so i think you know every business owner has these big dreams of where they see their business and what they'd like their business to achieve and i do have big plans for my brand and long-term goals you know I suppose the ultimate goal for me is for my brand to make change to really make a difference in the world help others change lives educate people 
give those who need it advice you know for me there is no plan b because while people continue to suffer i will continue to fight for what's right mm. you know um so i've got you know very very big plans which i shall hold close to my yes, chest and I simply say look. watch this space yes i will be watching <laughs> honestly I, you are such an inspiration and what a fantastic role model you are rebecca and i i can't thank you enough for talking to me today my last question that I ask all my guests now is because women are so bad at accepting compliments. What mm -hmm. compliment would you give yourself? I think I would say, well done for all you've achieved in spite of everything you've gone through. Yeah, I think that's fantastic and well deserved too. How can people find you? How can people find out about the brand? So I am on instagram and my instagram is always underscore b dot u i have a website which is www dot always b dash u dot com and i'm on facebook as always b u which is spelt with the letters b dot u I'll share all this on my notes at the end of the podcast so people will be able to read it as well, but that's fantastic. And yeah, I just can't thank you enough. I've got so much respect for you yeah. and love watching your progress and I shall be <laughs> keeping in touch and seeing where you go next. But thank you so much for your time and I hope you enjoy You're the very rest of the week. Sending you thank a massive you virtual me. hug and lovely to talk to you. You too. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed listening. I will be back next week with another inspiring guest and I hope you will have a great week. If you'd like to contact me, you can find me on outofthebubblepodcast.com and in the meantime, keep being fabulous.